0: there was a piece published on mick sweeney's a humorous often satirical writing site recently entitled our digital media platform will revolutionize news and is also shutting down written by devon wallace that includes gems ostensibly from an announcement by some kind of new media business, like this one, quote, Our new digital media platform is changing the way people consume content. We are a one-stop shop location for breaking news, long-form journalism, and in-depth art criticism. We are also currently shutting down without any notice whatsoever, end quote, It goes on to say, quote, mainstream media will try to shut us down, but they will never succeed since we already shut down at 3am with absolutely no warning to our readers or even our employees, end quote. This piece is a completely unveiled criticism of The Messenger, a news-focused digital media company that launched in May of 2023 and was dissolved on January 31st, 2024, about eight months after its founding. It was started by 70-something Jimmy Finkelstein, the former owner of The Hill, a DC-based politics and policy-oriented publication that he bought in 2012, which was then acquired by another media company in 2021, who said he wanted to start The Messenger for legacy purposes, and which he raised $50 million to fund before scooping up the assets of another new online media company. Grid News, and hiring a bunch of well-known writers and journalists from other publications, promising higher than usual for the industry wages for the 150 employees it hired for its launch, and that number was doubled to around 300 within a handful of months. The messenger was then unceremoniously shut down, the company's staff learning about its collapse and their layoffs from other publications reporting on the matter, many of them suspecting a closure, though, when their Slack conversations were suddenly shut down and their connections to the company, company emails, insurance, and the like all stopped functioning or simply shut them out. Company leadership, including Finkelstein, had bragged that The Messenger would defy the slow-motion collapse the rest of the news media world was experiencing, with few exceptions, because it would expand aggressively and publish constantly, increasing employment to 750 people and earning $100 million in annual revenue on the back of 100 million unique monthly visitors by 2024. That did not happen. It did achieve 100,000 unique daily visitors shortly after launching, but it was only able to earn about $3 million in total revenue by the waning days of 2023, and it burned through cash faster than its competitors. That $50 million in funding had dropped to around $1.8 million in the bank from May to December of 2023, and the sudden closure seemed to be an effort by company leadership to cut their losses, though the explosion of activity and sum of money invested, followed by such a rapid decline and disappearance, has earned The Messenger and those involved in its sudden shutdown the reputation for having invested in one of the most spectacular collapses in online news media history, which is saying something. What I'd like to talk about today is the broader online news media industry, the challenges this industry faces, and how those challenges are shaping what's happening now and what's likely to happen next. You're listening to Let's Know Things. I'm Colin Wright. Learn more about Let's Know Things, subscribe to receive free email updates, and or become a supporter to receive monthly bonus episodes at letsknowthings.com. Explanations for The Messenger's rapid and explosive demise are rampant, but some of the most popular orient around Finkelstein's apparently outdated ideas about how to run a news publication, his reportedly bad attitude and horrible relationships with upper management and other underlings, alongside his reported homophobia and misogyny, which may have amplified those issues, a lack of effort or capability within the ad sales team, which by some indications barely existed, The wasted money spent on grid news, which was apparently doing some interesting things, but which was almost immediately shut down, killing its brand equity and losing its talented staff. And the incredible amount of bias Finkelstein injected into the publication, despite his claims that he was aiming for something more in the middle for folks who were sick of ideological slant. It's also been claimed that talented journalists were forced to work in content farm conditions, churning out dozens of clickbait caliber stories a day, and that Finkelstein and his cronies were basically accustomed to failing up their entire lives, and thus were caught off guard when they're out of touch. But to them, brilliant assessment of what was going wrong in the news media world today proved to be not just wrong, but company-destroyingly wrong. And that then led to a frantic attempt to merge with the LA Times, which was also spiraling, that was destined to fail, and a series of other smaller decisions that TV editor and culture writer Liam Matthews memorably called ineptitude bordering on cruelty. Some post-death assessments, though, have supported implicitly, if not explicitly, some of the excuses provided by Finkelstein himself, pointing at the larger winds of change within the industry and blaming those ebbs, flows, and disruptions for part of the failure of his legacy-defining project. Among the cited issues is the shift back and forth between ad-supported news and a reliance on subscriptions and memberships folks paying for the news with their attention versus folks paying money monthly or yearly, basically. There was a big segue toward an absolutist take on subscription and membership paid content a few years ago, away from the ad-first revenue model that had dominated until that point for most of modern memory. But even big news entities like the Washington Post, Time, Quartz, The Atlantic, The Chicago Sun-Times, and TechCrunch are revamping their approach on this, following Gannett's lead with its newspapers beginning in 2022 to reduce the number of stories published behind hard paywalls and to either go fully ad-supported once more or to use more flexible approaches, optimized for what readers are willing to pay, or allowing for generous ad-supported access to the majority of what they write with relatively few pieces retained just for paid supporters. We are also seeing a big move away from the growth-at-all-costs phase of the economy, which lasted from around 2010 until the pandemic, during which many of these entities shoveled gobs of investor money and cheap debt into expansion efforts and experiments, few of which panned out as they had hoped, evolving into resilient income streams, and when interest rates were hiked as the pandemic peaked. Profitability became the name of the game, and many of these companies were caught flat-footed with a lot of unprofitable assets and no longer serviceable expenses, so they started killing off components of their many empires and firing swaths of employees. The threats and opportunities inherent in the emergence of generative artificial intelligence technologies are playing a role here too, as some news entities will no doubt be able to replace some number of their workers with robo-versions of the same, reducing their headcount and paycheck-related liabilities while also, in theory at least, bulking up some of their AI-handleable output. The degree to which this will be true has yet to be seen, but there have already been some early deals between relevant entities, including one recent deal for which Semaphore will be paid by Microsoft and OpenAI to use their generative AI tools to help their journalists curate news via a tool called Signals, which in practice is similar in many ways to the news streams you already see all over the web today, with a big headline, an image, a summary of what happened, and some supplementary links to longer reads. The idea is that someday this type of tool might be ubiquitous. Each news entity with their own spin on the concept managed by their own AI systems. But these rundowns and curated feeds also serve as a jumping off point for the rest of the media entity's content. And that is likely to become increasingly the case, which is something that could change the way they publish and monetize substantially if it goes as planned. All of which is leading to waves of layoffs, the industry experiencing what's been called a bloodbath, and even long-lauded brands like Sports Illustrated and Pitchfork are shutting down or becoming merged or stranded assets, their owners struggling to find a way to keep them solvent until they can figure out a business model that works in whatever this new stage of journalism and online publishing turns out to be. By one estimate, 538 journalists were laid off from US based news publications in January of 2024 alone, not counting the 300 or so people laid off from The Messenger. And that's following more than 3,000 in 2023 and more than 16,000 in 2020. Some entities have announced that further firings are impending this year, and quite a few of the ones that have remained silent so far are on Death Watch, possibly following in the messenger's wake, collapsing entirely because they were not able to figure out a way to keep existing in this new, still-emerging paradigm. Part of the issue with the membership and ads component of this conversation, which are the two ways most news publications are funded, is that there is an increasing focus on algorithmic search and information discovery on the internet, which basically means rather than someone going to a news entity they like, going to their actual website and perusing their offerings and clicking around to different stories from that main website page replicating a newspaper they might google it or search on tiktok bypassing traditional players in this space and going to curators and analysts and influencers instead reading the news or hearing a summary of it on these other platforms and never going directly to the source where that news originates one of the major developing trends here, which could further change everything, possibly forever, is the shift within search engines like Google toward becoming AI chatbot hubs instead of portals to other web pages. Google is seemingly attempting to scrape all the information on the internet so folks can ask their on search page chatbots questions and they can plop the answers and resources right there on the google website rather than redirecting those people elsewhere off of google other search engines like microsoft's bing are doing the same and some other options are taking this concept even further not displaying search results and links at all but instead making a complete website full of information scraped from other sources every time you search eliminating the need to go anywhere else ever This dramatically changes the math for everyone who makes a living from ads because folks no longer have to go to their pages and view their ads, which is what generates revenue for the site in order to get the information they paid to produce. And it impacts membership and subscription income as well, because why would folks pay for such things when they can just get it for free via Google or some other AI powered search engine? What we are seeing now, then, is a partial reflection of what is happening elsewhere throughout the economy, as everything recalibrates toward the interest rate and technological reality in which we find ourselves today. But it's also possibly a preview of what comes next, as a variety of additional factors, more focused on media and news media in particular, continued to hamstring the entities running the companies in this space, allowing a few, like the New York Times and The Guardian, and quite a lot of right-leaning editorial-focused entities, to flourish, but killing off basically everyone else during the transition, leaving us with far fewer and less diverse options, and an industry that does not seem to have a reliable business model anymore. (music) The book I'd like to recommend today is called The Coming Wave, Technology, Power, and the 21st Century's Greatest Dilemma by Mustafa Suleiman. This book is essentially a rundown of some of the most interesting technologies that are partially here today, but a lot of which are still on the horizon, at least in their fully formed manifestations. So things like DNA printers, quantum computers, Autonomous weapons, different sources of unlimited clean energy, and there are a lot of books like this. This one is especially interesting and thoughtful, though. It is written by the co-founder of an AI company, and previously he co-founded another AI company called DeepMind, which was scooped up by Google and remains one of the most influential entities in the AI world today. So he knows about the topics that are covered in this book, and he comes at it from the very thoughtful perspective of somebody working in this space and thinking through the applications of the very things that he's building. Now, if any of that sounds interesting to you, consider picking up a copy of The Coming Wave by Mustafa Suleiman. You can subscribe to receive email updates, find show notes and other such content, and support this show financially, receiving additional bonus episodes as a thank you at letsknowthings.com. Learn more about me and my work at Colin.io. Subscribe to my other news-focused podcast, One Sentence News, wherever you get your pods, or at onesentencenews.com. And say howdy on social media. I'm at Colin is my name on Instagram and Twitter, and Colin Wright on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Colin Wright, and I'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>